0: Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 96. So this week is the nine-year anniversary of the earthquake off the coast of Japan, off the coast of Sendai, I think it's pronounced. And that was the earthquake that led to the nuclear disaster at Fukushima. Here's a question. How many people died... Because of the Fukushima nuclear disaster, not not from the earthquake, not from the tsunami, but from the nuclear disaster itself. Well, like any good question, there isn't a single answer. There isn't a simple answer. I looked up some numbers at ourworldindata.org, and they said that the number of direct deaths was zero If you include all the possible deaths from radiation exposure over the long term, that number goes to maybe 400. And then if we go one step further and we say, what are the deaths that could possibly be attributed to the Fukushima disaster, including, you know, all the way to stress caused by having to relocate, they get sort of this upper bound of about 1,200 deaths. Okay, okay, fair enough. But I think those answers are still wrong. Because in direct response to Fukushima, the politicians in Japan, they shut down all their nuclear reactors, and they replaced the associated generation of electricity with fossil fuels, (laughs) oil and coal. And the result of that was higher prices. Electricity became more expensive. And the result of that was that poor people, well, they turned off their heat. And the result of that was that 1,300 poor people died that winter. So it's likely that more people died as a result of shutting down Japan's nuclear reactors then died because of Fukushima, just in that one year. But I don't think we're finished yet. (laughs) Because in direct response to Fukushima, Germany shut down half of its nuclear reactors, and they replaced the associated generation of electricity with, guess what, coal. And as a result, air pollution went up. And right now, they estimate 1,100 people are dying in Germany every year as a result. So every year, as many people almost die in Germany as a result of what happened in Fukushima then died in the actual event. And they're dying because of a policy decision by the German government that I'm sure you know was made with the best of intentions but intentions don't matter <laughs> intentions don't matter good intentions didn't prevent these deaths good intentions caused them so the policy response was almost exactly wrong and thousands of people are dying as a result well today we have a new crisis we have coronavirus and It is basically acting as an x-ray, revealing the health and the capability of policymakers across the planet. And domestically, in the U.S., the grassroots response at the level of companies, I think, has been pretty good so far you know they've basically canceled every conference <laughs> and festival there is they finally canceled emerald con which is i think a comic book convention in seattle they've canceled the ultra music festival in miami they've canceled south by southwest for austin and i think almost all of the tech companies have now canceled their you know their annual gathering or their annual conference, and they've all canceled business travel. And a lot of them are telling their employees to work from home, especially in Seattle and the Bay Area. Those are good steps, although it's obviously easier for tech workers to work from home than most of the American workforce. And personally, I think the Olympics is going to be canceled just like the Grand Prix has been cancelled in China, just like the auto show has been cancelled in Geneva. I expect the presidential conventions to be cancelled. And, you know, part of me thinks that sports teams are going to be playing to empty stadiums this summer. And that's all good. It all lowers the risk of transmission. But at a political level, I think so far this has been a total failure. A total, total failure. We're still, <laughs> we're still letting people fly in from Italy without being screened. We still haven't locked down Seattle. We still haven't stopped the cruise industry, for God's sakes, despite knowing that those ships are, are petri dishes of infection and that the returning passengers have been responsible for most of the cases in the United States. So the policy response has just been terrible. We're still not treating this seriously, especially when you compare what we're doing to what they're doing in South Korea or in Hong Kong or in Singapore. Can we acknowledge that the people who tell us to trust them, the people who throw the mantle of authority over their own shoulders, that they've failed us, totally failed us, the World Health Organization has lost all credibility. <laughs> They're simply a mouthpiece for the Chinese Communist Party. Domestically, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, they, they were offered tests created by other countries, and they refused to allow them to be used. They refused to use them. And then they created tests that didn't work. And that has delayed testing in the U.S. by a month A very critical month. And the result is that people with symptoms today still can't get tested. They still can't get tested. And, you know, communication from the top has just been abysmal. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of George W. Bush after 9-11 telling Americans to go shopping. It's at that level of stupidity. And as a result, I think the average American is still blasé about the risks here. There's still a 95-minute wait at the Seven Dwarves ride in Disney World. Okay, that statistic is going to shock people when they read about it in the history books, because it's at a time when there's clearly community transmission in multiple places in the U.S., and that's at a time when other countries have banned gatherings of more than a thousand people or 5,000 people. There's no one in charge right now. There's no one in charge. Americans need to practice personal responsibility. And, you know, I think we need to take this moment to think very hard about what brought us here. And the first thing that caused this pandemic is globalism. We need to get out of China, we need to bring manufacturing back home, especially of, of you know, essential drugs and other products that we simply can't leave to, to supply chains that we are now realizing are insanely fragile. Supply chains that, that stretch 10,000 miles and run through India and China and Vietnam, that run through totalitarian countries? Like, are we really going to rely on those countries to provide us with essential drugs and other medical products? That's insane. That has to stop. And another problem I think we need to think about is open borders. Because, you know, they have open borders in Europe, and Italy has now infected (laughs) the entire continent – the entire continent of Europe is on fire because they refused to close the borders to Italy. And it's the same here. If someone today can step off a plane from Milan into New York without being quarantined, that's open borders. That's open borders. That's, that's suicide. It's suicide. And I am done arguing with the politically correct morality police. Their arguments are done. These are no longer moral arguments. They're not moral issues. They're existential. Okay, that's all I have this week. I'll catch you later.